greed, for lack of a better word, is good. The time came when the ticker tape in the broker's office told a new story. It was panic. Sixteen and a half million shares of stock sold in a single day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Stock Dirty to Me, the number one podcast for beginner investors. I am, of course, your podcast mogul for better, but this is not important who I am. I'm here just to talk about these two experts above me. We got Lloyd Ross, the money millionaire mentor, and Tony Summit, stock bro. He's yeah. the expert. You have a degree. You have a degree, <laughs> sir. Don't He's the millionaire. Me. He's the millionaire. Here. I'm going to stop making some money in stock so people aren't going to believe me. <laughs> well, I just bought more Baba, so that's what I did today. Yeah. All right, we are we going to talk about Baba again? I think we should nah, give the viewers. I think we did that last time. We yeah, did, we did uh, enough of Baba. off the. It is uh, entertaining, but we'll give. I tell you one thing that is funny though. I'll tell you, this is funny, entertaining. They arrested a guy in China with the last name Ma, and they thought it was Jack Ma. And the stock went, <laughs> the stock goes like fucking like five percent. Boom. Anyway, it was a mistake. Oh shit, man! It's so funny. You couldn't write about it. Oh my god, that's 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 insane. Poor poor dude. Poor company. It's taking hit after hit. Uh, everywhere. Wow. Shit. Anyway, we'll see what happens. But stock market's <laughs> down drastically because of interest rate rises. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Uh today was the largest single day drop. It actually did bounce back up, but at one point the Nasdaq was down six percent. And the S&P was down about 4.5%. And that would have been the largest drop in one day since 2020 of March. In March 2020, we had two days in the market where the S&P dropped 9%. And then another day, it dropped 7%. So those were the, the biggest drops since like for like a decade previous to that. <coughs> so yeah, happy Good. single day mile, everybody. <laughs> oh yes, Cinco de Mayo. Oh my god, I totally forgot. That. Oh yeah, that's huge. Have you what? Cinco de Mayo. Oh, you don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo in Australia, do you? How is that? Oh my god. Shannon's oh my god. Not, I'm not looking for. I'm not looking. No one wants to look at the portfolio. Uh, but Cinco de Mayo is the celebr like it's the fifth of May. It's a celebration in uh, Mexico that. Victory uh, over, victory over France. Yeah, really? victory over France. Know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it, it's yeah. not really important to Australia at all because you guys are like it's oh, on no. the other side of the world. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Mexico on Wednesday, so it's good to have oh, to brush up some history. Yeah, it's only um, it's kind of like Independence Day for Mexico. Cool. Like, you yeah. Thank you for uh, thank you for educating me. Yeah, we celebrate it in the United States more than probably Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Any, any it's a big thing here. It's a big deal here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the awesome. Irish. It's like yeah, the yeah. uh Patrick yeah, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated more. Uh we're getting some love from the comments. Always love to see people. Let us know if you're here with hashtag live. Uh oh Lashley Callie's in the house. Thank you very much for being here. Uh yeah, hashtag live. Um, hashtag replay if you're watching the replay. I know we have a replay gang, so hashtag replay gang. I'm shouting you guys out. Um, uh, we got some comments, uh, because I was talking about something about the uh, podcast being dropped. So, yes, we got Sabrina, always a long time uh viewer. Thank you very much, Sabrina, for showing up all the way from Louisiana. So, thank you very much for that. How's the weather in Louisiana? Let us know. Um, how are you doing in your portfolio? If you looked at your portfolio, um, or not. Uh, let us know in the comments. We always like to talk to you guys, hear you about that. Uh, but guys, um, we've been talking about rates rising and Kathy Woods decides our favorite person decides to poke her head out um, and urges caution. So uh, she tweeted this on the 2nd of April. I think this is the one we're talking about, right? Uh, Kathy Woods was totally against the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. And she said it was would be a really stupid idea for the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. And yeah. it's gonna it's gonna crash the market. It's gonna well of course it's, it's a gonna crash idea. her portfolio. Yeah. Oh big time. Big didn't, crash gonna, didn't crash any energy ETFs. They all went fucking up. It is gonna destroy her portfolio because I was talking to one of my buddies at, at work today and he's he's big in the stocks too. He's been following stocks for like a decade. 
Is and, he is um, he a follower of the show? Yeah, he's he's more of a trader, but he okay. know he's very knowledgeable. He understands everything that's going on. And he him and I were talking for years about the ARK ETF. And I remember back in 2020, I'm like, I just don't this is the stupidest ETF. When you look at all the companies in it, a lot of it is just like Roku, um, Teladoc. It's a lot of companies that aren't really solid companies that benefited greatly from the pandemic. And once we're out of the pandemic where people aren't staying home locked up anymore, mm-hmm. those stocks have all di- dived like 50, 60%. And Robinhood, she, she had a lot of money in Robinhood, a lot of money in Coinbase, a lot of money in these stocks that have just she's a trend. absolutely she, tanked. She's a trend. She, she just buys fad companies. She's the exact opposite of Warren yeah. Buffett. Oh, yeah. The yeah. exact okay. opposite. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good way to explain that, actually. It's she doesn't look at any fundamentals of anything. It's all about disruptive tech where it's going to yeah. be the future. Who cares yeah. how much money they make, you know? And that's you know what she does. You know, it's fascinating. This great, this great quote from Warren Buffett probably sews up a really good lesson. I read it last night. Is this, is, a, is this what it takes to be good at picking stocks? Ready? He says, we see change. So Kathy Wood's going for all these high-tech, changing, innovative, disruptive, like what Tony said. He says, we see change as the enemy of investments, so we look for the absence of change. We don't like to lose money. Capitalism is pretty brutal. We look for mundane products that everyone needs. So when people say, oh, like, this new tech's coming out, I want to get this and this, and like, it's changing too fast. You want to buy companies like Wrigley's, Gillette, than Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. It ain't going to change. And that allows you to stay in it for 30 years without worrying and you just grow your capital over time. And by the way, Warren Buffett's um, Berkshire Hathaway is actually one of the best assets this year. And it's totally. I think it's actually yeah. positive. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the thing with Kathy Woods, it, 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 I mean – the last two years, it's been nothing but mistakes. Like she recently just sold ninety percent of her Twitter holdings before the Elon Musk um, buyout, so lost a ton of money on that. Oh I mean, every move she's made in the past year has been absolutely horrible for investors. I, my she question just, is, how did she get so famous? Like, what did she do? A rising she, tide lifts all boats, Phil. Okay. Uh, she got, well, she was, a, I think she was a hedge fund manager. Um, and people thinking Kathy Woods is a little crazy. The ARK ETF. Well, the ARK ETF started in 2010 or 2013, I think it was. And we've had a 10 to 12 year bull run where everything is up. Like everything has been up the past decade. And it's funny because the last five years, before uh, 2021, the ARK ETF was up like 300%. It was up an insane amount. It was up a lot. And it was actually beating QQQ, which is the NASDAQ. Well, since now, from today to 2013, QQQ is now beating ARK by like 50-something percent over that same period. So it's one of those things where companies can beat the S&P 500 and the NAS, you know, the market indexes in short periods, like five, even maybe even a 10 year period. But over the long run, eventually those indexes, they eventually beat these shitty like speculative, speculative ETFs or speculative yeah. stocks. It's just a matter of time. She was just she was just a byproduct of cheap money. Because rates yeah. have gone down since 2013, since she started. She has not even seen a – like, she wouldn't have seen a cycle in her ARC, her ARC fund. And she was just riding the wave. And uh, all the retail investors who were new just followed that shit because it was popular. And it was techy and it was changey. It was just amazing. So she had a flood of new money coming in. It was unsustainable. And she's now heading back to where she belongs. You know what's funny? I think we looked at this before. If you pulled up A R R or A R K K is her We looked at this before, I remember, and I showed you guys like if you look at that fund before 2020, it's pretty flat. You know, it's going up very slowly, but then 2020, it's like a fucking rocket ship. Yeah, it's just COVID money. (laughs) Yeah, this is all COVID money, all the way to 
Fed it's all quantitative easing. And you know what yeah. all of that is? I'm going to tell you, it's one company was Tesla. She bought a huge stake in Tesla before yeah. this, before the jump. And Tesla went up like 400% in that time right. frame. And it just lifted ARC by itself, single-handed. You know, you listen to interviews of her and she had, as she talks, she has no, it's like she doesn't understand what she's doing. That's what I feel. I've listened to she, interviews. She just yeah. talks, um, cli- she just talks in cliche. It just, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, the I other thing that sunk her was the Bitcoin investment. She invested a lot of money into Coinbase and Bitcoin, yeah, like micro strategies um, company that Michael, Michael Saylor, you know about Michael, Michael Saylor, I'm sure, right, Lloyd? Yeah, he's got the biggest, <laughs> isn't he got the biggest margin position in Bitcoin at the moment? The biggest, he is the, he, his stock is essentially a Bitcoin spot ETF. That's yeah. essentially, and <laughs> he's lost a ton of yeah. that. I've heard if it drops to 21,000, he just gets, he just gets obliterated. If it falls to 21, margin I call. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it will it like bitcoin's going to five thousand. you look that at that guy though i've heard him talk a lot i've listened to a couple like hours of him speaking and yeah. he is very convincing like he's a very oh. good speaker very yeah. articulate and he knows what he's talking about and he's very good at analogies uh so he could he could trick like nine out of ten people to go buy bitcoin immediately yeah yeah um, definitely same as uh what's his name that owns square what's his name that used to own Twitter? Oh, oh um dorsey yeah jack dorsey same thing yeah i just that if you look at the pattern of bitcoin now i think it's hit a head and shoulders a massive head and shoulders pattern i'm not a technical guy but i understand that it's hit a massive head and shoulders pattern if it goes up one more time it's just going to plummet to five thousand it's finished and i think rates are just going to kill it see this see how it's that the second shoulder now so if you're the first one First shoulder, yep. Next one up, head, mm-hmm. yeah, head, and then the next shoulder is coming. See down here on the right, and once that hits up and goes down, we're we're going back down to five thousand. Yeah, because if we, it's going to get another little bounce. I think there's another yeah, bounce in that. Because <laughs> if it, if it look, we got a bounce, drop, big bounce, drop, yeah. bounce, bounce, bounce. But yeah, it's. I don't. It's you know, I feel like th- I'm so confused about cryptocurrencies. I understand. Everyone, I understand both arguments about it being worthless. I understand the other side's arguments, and I've listened to a lot of it. I've listened to dozens of hours of people talk about Bitcoin for and against. I've listened to debates online. Uh, I listened to Peter uh, uh, Shift like uh, debating people about gold versus Bitcoin. They all make excellent arguments, and they've I've been convinced on both sides, and it's just. Well, there's two parts to it, Tony. Like you're convinced of, like the people are getting confused. They're yeah. getting confused because they're getting confused with the ideology and functionality of Bitcoin or blockchain as a way to have frictionless movement of money. And they're getting confused with that with a good investment. That's two, they're completely two different things. It's like saying, um, you know, like like if you were going to buy a house in Las Vegas and that house is going to give you 50,000 a year income. Would you buy it for five hundred million dollars? No, that's no, stupid. Why? Great house, shit investment. It's the quality and, and and the quality of the shelter that it provides has got nothing to do with whether it's a good investment or not. Some of the best companies in the world are shitty investments, right? And some of the worst companies in the world are the best investments. It's, it's true. All got, it's all got to do with the relativeness of where is your capital best place to get predictable returns into the future. And there's nothing predictable about this. It's fucking, it's just this ideology of a great technology that's getting confused by people in terms of investing. So I'm not, I think the whole technology is going to be around forever. It's going to grow. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be functional. It's, it's just too early. Utility. It's not even that. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm all for it. I'm even for frictionless exchange of currencies. I get all that. But it's a shit investment. That, that, that That's what it comes down to. I, I think, I think, it's more of people trying to make it a new currency rather yeah, than just totally. what it is. What it is is a speculative asset. Well, they're going to get trying... confused with yeah. what they what the, the story they're spinning is ideology of movement of currency, which is great, right? But but what they're actually saying in the back door is, I'm going to make money out of this. 
Yeah. And it's like, they're full of shit. They're, they're just well, hypocrites. The problem with every single altcoin, every single altcoin has this problem where Bitcoin isn't, there's no CEO of Bitcoin where every single altcoin you see pushed. And I've listened to dozens of interviews of these people pushing their own, the companies pushing these altcoins. Every single one of them controls the supply of that coin and they can dictate if it's going to go up or down they can give free coins away they can run marketing they can do all kinds of things to manipulate the coins and that's what is very scary about investing in any type of altcoin to me personally um yeah you know what i'm saying yeah I, I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you what i think is good when it comes to you know like um ethereum contracts and the technology is that i'm you invest in companies that use the technology. So like, for example, we own this travel company and it's developing blockchain technology with contracts with its largest suppliers in, ho in Hotel Mario to develop develop a technology that allows it to create a competitive advantage as a business. And I think those are the opportunities that pop up. Like what happened with the internet? You didn't invest in the internet. You invested in amazon or google like companies that are generating a business model off the technology not the technology itself and i think that's right. where people are kind of getting a bit confused um they and they're getting confused with nfts because they're, they're buying the actual art they're not buying the bit like i prefer to own christie's as a business than the art and stuff that's coming out of there because it's just too hard to predict whereas you can see but, christie's is yeah. predicting the business model right it's by just, the NFT exchange rather than that's NFT. right, correct. That's right, and that's what Gary Vaynerchuk did, right? I think, didn't he? That's what coin he created, his, that's own. Why he created I thought, his own. Yeah, he has that's NFTs, why. but I think he also oh, uh, created v? his own in, yeah. Uh, exchange. Yeah, good close. Yeah, but well, that's why is, those are fucking pushed by these uh, uh, influencers. You know, it's, I know. I know. They, hey, listen, well, there are there are some being brought to court. So there, <laughs> regarding the NFTs, there are. Uh, yeah. I saw a few weeks ago. On, uh, I was watching Phil There's DeFranco. So there many. is a court case. Whatever you need an Sorry, you go, Phil. Well, I was going to say they're they're being brought to court regarding the uh, the the pump and dump yeah, NFTs and bitcoins and shit like that. Yeah. Whenever you see an influencer everything. getting pulled in to sell something, fucking game. It's a it's a it's a hustle. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not. Anytime like, I see something that's like new age technology like, that I don't understand yeah. being pushed. Whenever, like, Matt no, whenever Matt Damon gets on TV and talks about anything that's outside acting, fucking just don't just run away. 100 miles an hour. This is dumb. Like, there's some real basic shit you need to do to be good at investing and. And and following the crowd of Snoop Dogg into financial stuff is fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. If you do that and you lose money, you all sucked in. That is just silly. I would just be following the big hitters like Warren Buffett and those guys who just been around. The guys the who do it quietly. The guys who do it quietly. Yeah, will rule all the quietly, hundred percent. Yeah, I've really shifted my strategy to only buying assets that produce income. Yeah, if it doesn't produce any income. This way, if the market's down, I'm still I still have some type of in passive income source, even though my yeah. stock is losing value. You know, Tony, um, you should load up on some more Apple, man. Warren's just buying it still. He just bought something last quarter. I was looking at Apple. I was thinking about adding it to my portfolio. I bought a thousand dollars of Blue today when it was down five and a half, five percent almost. And I bought, yeah, uh, it was down to. It was down a lot. It was down like three seventy something, uh, and then I bought a thousand dollars of SCHD. Um, I'm just gonna. I, I didn't. I, I was gonna put in five thousand today, but I want to wait and see. Yeah, it could fall what, further. Uh, it, it's gonna fall with the further. rates. Yeah, when power can every month. Eight, yeah, yeah. But there's eight interest rate rises. This is just what's going to bring all these high growth, yeah. risky, speculative assets down. Is this going to run? And Apple's really going to fall farther. Apple's going to fall farther, probably. Yeah, hopefully it does. I, I um, hope so. If it does, I'm, I'm picking up some. I'm just yeah. I think if it goes to 100 a share, that's what oh. I'm like. It's a hundred share. I don't think it's going to lose 50%. I don't think it's going to lose 50%. But well, it, it, isn't it only like 140 a share? Oh, let me pull it up. 150. Is it? Yeah. I'm bringing but, up. I'm, hold on. It's, I think it's one fifty. Well, the problem is, I already own Apple for, I already own Apple for a hundred to a share. Yeah, it's amazing, but I don't know if it's gonna fall. It's one hundred fifty here. Hold on, uh, it's on screen. One hundred fifty-six. 
156. Uh, uh, I could have sworn a couple of days ago it was down to like 140. Well, Let's do the last five days. Ooh, it's down uh, 3% in the last five days. The last month, um, it's down 8%. I think people you know, have to understand. You I'm just not, I'm not very big on buying individual stocks anymore. I just don't. Yeah. And like Apple's cool. obviously, I don't know. I just, I just feel much uh, more just comfortable. Just go boo, man. Just do it. Just boo the rest of I mean, of Apple's life. in there. Apple's the biggest holding in, boo. You it know? is. Okay. It is on mile. I've got someone here. They said in the question, I'm confused to why the stock market keeps going down. Who is selling? Why is the government? What's the point of it? Do you know what's interesting? Is people don't get this. The market has been flooded with cheap borrowed money and government money. bonds government yeah. trade yeah you yeah, have to understand this like they go what does that mean well here's what it means it means the earnings you're seeing from the companies like google apple amazon that's coming from customers the customers are getting their money from various forms of either welfare income from jobs yeah stimulus and those companies are getting that too so these earnings are fake <laughs> I just yeah, want to make that clear. They're not real. It's a byproduct of a symptom of cheap money for 13 years. I'm going to tell you how you know the economy. People are starting to be fearful. This is a key sign, and everybody can see this. And a lot of people here will understand. If you live with a woman, wife, <laughs> girlfriend, whatever, and all of a sudden Amazon packages aren't coming every week, that's <laughs> when you know. Right off the but bat. But Amazon's Uh-oh. earnings have dropped. And they've got smashed. Well, they've, yeah. They got, they got hammered. I was talking to a couple of friends like, yeah, you know, my girlfriend, I haven't seen any Amazon packages coming in. People are starting to tighten up their wallets, man. And yeah, man. that's the first thing. 80% of consumers in the United States are women. 80%. So when they stop buying things and they start feeling it, that's when you know, like, okay, we're headed for a recession. Well, check it out. Ready? Good. So, so uh, consumers don't buy Amazon. Amazon pays, you know, people get laid off. They don't, um, then businesses don't spend as much on Google ads. So that mm-hmm. falls in the earnings. And you start to see these earnings have come from a, a loose economy, right? But here's the thing. I think one of the businesses that is impossible to break because of just the sheer you would you would you would sell your look at left leg to own one of these phones yeah it's so because my wife's phone it broke uh, it, it went into meltdown and she couldn't turn it on now for two days she didn't have a phone now your whole life goes on pause when this sucker doesn't work and you if you couldn't fix it you get your ass down and you're paying two grand for one of these bad boys doesn't you would sell your soul to get one right oh yeah because so i think one of the few businesses that can do well in any any period of time is apple i just that's why warren owns it as the biggest holding it's just ridiculous but the other company he just bought is his fourth largest position now think about that he just bought it he bought it a while back and he added to it is another commodity we can't do without even though we want to even though we all think that we're going to be all in sunshine and rainbows and happiness world living on green energy it's fucking oil it's in everything it's in everything oil in this oil in your computer oil (coughs) plastics electronics everything and oil is like it's gone up in value because of the 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 russian issue issue and so forth and the supply but warren's fourth biggest holding is chevron kicked ass last quarter it's just fucking it'll print money for the next probably decade right i don't think we can move away from oil as far as what people think i think that's a that's a that's that's naive and someone asked why what why are the why is there market sell-offs now well for the first time since 2020 the u.s gdp shrank one 1.4 percent um that was the first time it's happened in two years so uh, people are starting to see, and when the GDP shrinks, that means that people are buying less, people are spending less money, and then that means jobs are going to start laying people off because they don't have people buying their products. They don't need as many people, um, and I think we're all, we're in the very beginning right now. It's going to get worse. It's oh, yeah. Worse. Well, you know what? It's a situation because we've got high inflation that's entrenched from all these other things happening at once. The only way to get rid of that is to raise rates and cool the economy. But recession. when that happens, the economy falls yeah. and goes into recession. And they think 
But if they raise rates fast enough, they can drop them again to revitalize it. And we play this game of pull this lever, do this. Pull that lever, do this. So there's going to be a choppy experience for probably five years. I don't um, think people understand because I, I talked to some people. I was talking to my mom about this and raising rates. They don't really understand what raising rates means and like how this is connected to everything. Right. Well, the Federal yeah. Reserve sets like a standard um, interest rate for other banks to loan money out. Yeah. And when that interest rate goes up, banks banks follow that standard. And now this means if you want to buy a house, the mortgage rates are up. If you want a car, the car rates are up. Credit card rates are up. Now, a lot of people are in fixed rates, so it's not going to change people. If, if you already have a mortgage with a fixed rate or a car with a fixed rate, whatever, it could affect your credit card. But it's for new buyers. It's for new consum- you know, consumers that want to start buying a house or they want to buy a car. They want to take out a loan. It's going to be more and more expensive for them to do that. Um, so even though housing prices could come down, now it's going to be more expensive to get a loan and your rate's yeah. going to be higher. So it kind of like cancels it out. Yeah. Uh, so let, So in your mind, so this is what I think about as an investor in my mind. You've got to be, it's like a game of chess. You've got to be two or three moves ahead. And you got to watch the trends of what's happening and you got to be in front of it. And that's why they call Warren Buffett the Oracle of Omaha, because he's, he can see things before they happen. And you have to just be forward thinking. So like, as Tony said, rates are going up. So how do you position your capital to grow in that environment? And the answer to that question is usually energy commodities and financial businesses. Because when banks, when rates go up at banks, they have a wider net interest margin spread. And they can lend out and, and they earn a lot more money on their deposits at bank, which is a lot of. So I'm positioned in banks. Um, and of course, uh, I'd love to be positioned in energy like oil. I think Chevron's a good bet, but I think I missed it. But they're the types of decisions you've got to make as an investor as to what's the next cycle going to look like. You know what I mean? And to your point, companies with a lot of debt that have huge amount of loans um, that require a lot of capital, like all the companies in the NASDAQ, they're getting hammered. They're getting absolutely hammered. There's a lot of bankruptcies, delinquencies, a lot of housing. Like a lot of people have taken massive mortgages out of their housing. Now in the States, you can fix that rate for 30 years, I think. But in Australia, you can only fix it for four years. So in four years time or three years time, we're going to have a big flip where people are going to remortgage and go up on these big mortgages they just got. And they're going to get, they're going to get towed up. I'll say this. I'll say this. QQQ is down like twenty four percent on the year. Like that's a big big uh, drop. That's a big. That's a that's a big drop. And if if I was feeling a little bullish, I might throw like ten grand in there because like all those companies are going to come back. It's just a matter of when. Um. Um, Did you see two thousand? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I tell you what's interesting. I watch the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. I watch it every year. And some good Me too, yeah. 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 And so some of the things that came out of that were I love this uh, this almost arbitrage opportunity with Activision Blizzard and the buyout for Microsoft. So Microsoft confirmed to buy it out for $94 a share. And there was some insider gonna, stuff there for sure. It's probably going to pass, right? There was some insider stuff. Yeah, there it seemed sure. to be. Warren's offside of buys it at 50 warren's loading up now at 70 something whatever it's a it's a, almost a riskless 18 percent profit from today as the deal settles early next year so if you want to make almost a riskless profit of 18 percent, which is fucking amazing then activision blizzard is probably the one thing as it, it looks to be like a pretty good bet don't go out and buy it based on that i'm not going to give you any financial advice but i'm just saying it was an interesting to see that a real arbitrage opportunity that Warren Buffett's buying in real time that's still cheap and you can still buy it today. This is awesome. It's just so good to see something like that pop up, a workout or an interesting opportunity like that that's that's usually not what he does. To me, this is a big play for Microsoft to position himself for the battle of the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? Hey, Microsoft, see, the way Microsoft approaches and buys whole companies is how we should be buying stocks. They're positioning their capital <laughs> for the next wave, right? By so the way, they bought Activision in cash. One, yeah. That's a 100% cash deal, $68 billion in cash. Fuck. That just shows you how financially strong 
Microsoft oh, so is that they can just spend $68 billion in cash and be like, oh, okay, no problem. No That's problem. Insane. Yep. So yep. those are the companies that I would like to own is companies like that rather than companies that are dependent on, uh, you know, the pandemic and yeah. quantitative easing. This is why uh, Microsoft has been around and in the, uh, the yeah. S&P 500, the top 10 for the last 20 years, 20, 30 I have years. A, I have another thing to add to what Lloyd said about what you can do. Because I've noticed all of this year, my, my best, my portfolio hasn't really dropped that much because I have really heavy positions in two, two dividend ETFs, SCHD and VYM. And those are both pretty flat on the year. They're doing really like they haven't had much um, volatility. Excuse me, they haven't had much volatility at all this year. They're crushing the really, S and P and QQ. Yeah, and I think that's what happened to Berkshire. Like if Berkshire has positioned itself for this next cycle, look at all the businesses it owns. Like it, you, you can buy Berkshire and do really well for the next probably five or ten years. I think. I think it'll outperform the market in the next few years. Um, I thought but, about getting some Berkshire B, but. I, I probably should have did it last year. That was probably the uh, time to do I it. Own a shit ton. I used to own heaps, but sadly sold it to get a dividend income for various well, reasons. That's my that's my thing. I, I I can't justify holding stocks that don't pay me dividends anymore. You know <laughs> so yeah, Marcus uh, Marcus wondering if uh, Roy, Lloyd, you loaded up on Baba, and if Tony, you did load up on your ETF you know today, step. I wouldn't I'll call it loading up, but yeah. I'll tell you why I haven't is um when you have a large portfolio well large, i don't think it's that large but it's significant for what the income we make i think and to move the dial to to to, to make a dent in the portfolio's growth you can't just chuck a thousand bucks here and ten thousand yeah. yeah yeah so and i think if you look at warren buffett the way he approaches his portfolio it's the same process just with the bigger numbers he saved up basically 150 60 billion in cash and he just he just unloaded forty billion in the last quarter buying, so he kind of does the same thing at a bigger scale. So for me, we would we would save up probably two hundred thousand dollars or two hundred quarter of a million, and wait, and then execute like one hundred fifty thousand dollar position or two hundred thousand position in one go into one great business that we understand that we're going to hold for a long time, or either keep waiting or buy the index like. The, but that's the type of swing you have to make to move a $1.2, $1.3 million portfolio. You just can't do it on tens of thousands of dollars. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, <laughs> makes a hundred percent sense. I, I almost never buy anything. I just dollar cost average every week. Yeah. The only time I buy like a thousand here, 2000 here is when like, like Vu dropped 5% today. So, I yeah, was like, that's so, so I'm like, why would I not put a, more no, That's money intelligent in dollar cost average. Yeah. That's yeah. intelligent. By the way, I'm still up. Like, yeah. Even with the drop, I'm still up Look, like, I think like 20%. If, <laughs> if, I, if I was starting out again, this is what I did. I kind of did what Tony is doing. Like every time I get like two, 3,000 bucks, I'd wait for the market to dip a bit. I'd jump it into an index or I'd pot it into Berkshire. That's, I was, every time I made 10 grand, I was to buy Berkshire. I did that for like two or three years, I think. Boom, 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 boom. And that's how you really start out. But eventually, when you've got a bigger portfolio and you get yeah. you've got a business that produces cash, you do have to kind of wait for a couple of years, three, two or three years before you have enough to, to make a bet. Plus, great opportunities don't come around all that often that you want to really buy. And this great quote yesterday from um, who, who, who said it? I, I wrote it down. But it was it was you really do make your money on the purchase. And you want to make sure that you it's such an easy decision that even if you're wrong about the future, you still make money. And yeah, that, that's, that's how it. I buy things. I only buy stuff that I feel like so confident about now. When I, when I first started yeah. investing, I bought so much stupid stuff. Like I didn't even know what, I, I didn't understand half the shit I was buying. And the things I was buying, like, I was like, oh, of course, yeah. that's a good, you know, I, like, I would buy these I, things, but yeah. It's like now I look back, I'm like, why did I spend so much time thinking about what stocks to buy? Like now I spend no time yeah. thinking about stocks. I, the only time I think about it is if I say like, oh shit, Apple's down 50%. Yeah. Eh. That's like yeah. the only things I look at. 
That's how you um, should do it. I, I made a massive mistake in 2018, repatriated all that money from Berkshire and Bank of America and GM that I've made money from into Australian dollars, made a good good amount, and I put it in the wrong things just because I was too lazy. And I reckon it cost me like two or three hundred thousand dollars. Pretty stupid, like because I was going for an income strategy for various reasons for business, so I could transition out of job and scale. That's fine, but I just if I had of you know like what you said, Tony, like I wasn't really, I should have done. I could have done that. Overthink- you were overthinking, right? I just didn't even think, I think, and that was yeah. worse. So it's like, well, I just want the lazy, give me the dividend, fully frank, tax-free income, put it in a couple of banks. And there was a banking royal commission in the country. We have flipping dumbers. And I just, it just went sideways for three years, which is worse because Apple just teared up. Yeah. So I had it just been a bit more intelligent because you, there are two mistakes you make with investing. They're a mistake of doing the wrong thing. So you're commissioning, like actually taking action and being wrong. But there's also uh, a mistake of doing not not holding doing, bad investments too long. Just not even yeah, just not doing anything that you should do. Like so, there's an opportunity cost to to make because when you say yes to one investment, you say no to another. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's only so much money to to yeah. put into stocks. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, most of us only have so much money to invest. So I, yeah. you got to invest in the best thing you possibly can. Yeah. Um, if you want to beat the market, definitely. But if you just want to go voo and just dollar cost, you just do well. Voo is my largest position, and I'm just going to keep doing that. Like, I know what? I can make more money with yeah. all of it in one stock, yeah. but then I if have I look, to think about it. Then I have to worry if, about it, you know? If I, look, if I look back to 2008 when I started investing, 2009, if I had just done that of voo, the index one's only kind of popular then, only just here in Australia. And if I had it just done that, I'd be way richer. Instead of and trying Warren to pick, B- yeah. Warren Buffett comes into Charlie Rose, has that conversation with him before the Berkshire meeting. And he says, I've told people this so many times. Smart ones take it on board, dumb ones, he didn't say dumb ones, but most don't. Just Every year he says it. He, yeah. fine, he didn't. He didn't say by any. He says the S N P five hundred. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with us? Maybe not us. Maybe just what's wrong with me? I mean, maybe Tony and you and Phil. If you got Vu, I think I learned. I think I learned. I, Vu is. I learned right away. I just jumped straight into Vu. I just was like <laughs> money and Vu. I am a little what? bit on the dividend. Like I do. I am. I probably have. To be honest, I probably have too much money into two dividend ETFs that I could just put it all into VU and it would probably be, be better in the long run. Yeah. But I think I'm trying to do kind of what you were doing where I want to have some extra income to supplement yeah. things. Yeah. And I just don't know if I'm still like debating if it's the right thing to do right now. I feel it is because VU is getting destroyed and these are like kind yeah. of flat, but what, what's your take? Baba, <laughs> Baba cost us. $30,000 in income, in dividend income, tax-free. That, you, that you mean in this in this time that, that you've had? That I would have made had I just put into something I just, you know. Well, on top of all the losses that you've had already with it. Well, right? on top of the losses, yeah. yeah. So I would say um, 30 plus 170. So it's 200,000 backwards. Now, it's going to be fine. We're going to, I'm going to dominate. But... But I think it's the income loss. Like so, if you if you look at it's such a it's such a wonderful place to be in when you have cash flow coming into your household. Like you 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 and, and yourself, especially you have no debt, so you can be very 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 powerful in times where the market shits itself. Because especially if you're getting you know JP Morgan, JP Morgan. Okay, I'll give if I was going to buy a stock to position myself right now, I've been looking at it. JP Morgan looks to be juicy, and HSBC, both those banks. But JP Morgan is the best banking franchise in the world. It's paying a 3.5% dividend. That's a good dividend stock. And it's selling at eight, nine times earnings. Run by the best banker in history. JP Morgan's in S. I This is why I love SCHD ETF. I honestly think it's... Honestly, SCHD ETF is almost historically on par with VU and pays double the dividend 
that's why I, I feel like I, I want to hold on to it. <laughs> I don't know. Can you I hold mean, it forever? Will it outperform VU forever? I don't think so. But maybe because of the, the dividends, because of the double the dividend yield, and it's still – so it's produced about um, – I think it's about – 10% less than VU over five years, but it's also pays like a 3% okay. dividend. That's not too you know bad. Exactly. 10%. That's not too bad because it what gives you security again? and safety. SCHD. I, I, last time I looked, I haven't, honestly, I haven't looked in a while, but so SCHD over the last five years is at 72 and a half percent return. And VU over the last five years is at 73% return. See, there you go. Um, if I had to, if I had to put it in there, I'd be up an extra three hundred sixty thousand dollars. Seventy percent in five years is tremendous. But that's very good. so that's what I mean. This ETF, even before this, you know, two years before this, when I was looking at it from two thousand fifteen to two thousand twenty, it was it was like ten fifteen percent less than than VU, but it pays more than double the dividend, and it's full of a bunch of blue chip stocks. So I don't know. I'm conflicted. I don't know if I should just keep dumping money into this because, um, and the expense ratio is the same as VU's. It's almost, I mean, it's, to me, it's like a no brainer ETF fund, but I also don't know if I'm better off literally putting all of my money into VU and just doing that, you know? Yeah. The problem occurs. I think you could be this SCHD, is it called? I think you could be The reason yeah. why I think that works is because, it's not sector specific, which means no. you don't have to you don't have to second guess the next cycle and sell and 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 and, and engage tax losses, because people don't realize this. But when you sell, you got to you have a fifteen percent minimum tax loss. That's huge. So, like for example, if you don't have to ever sell this, you're way in front. So I think if you buy an ETF, buy one that you never have to sell, because it's when you're trying to trade ETFs to run with cycles that you end up taking losses in tax and it ends up wiping away your gains. It's fucking dumb. Yeah. I mean, I've already made over a thousand dollars in dividends on this. Um, so, and I, you know, Where are you, it's, but are you reinvesting the dividends back into SCH? Oh yeah. 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 So I'm that, not taking you're any actually, dividends. You're actually, um, you're actually manufacturing a VU by doing that. Do you understand? Yeah. 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 But, I'm not VU's already doing that. Who's already doing that for you because it's actually just redeploying it at a higher rate anyway. And so I think the benefit of your SCHD is the fact that it's giving you flexibility and options with the cash, right? Yeah, I I reinvest all the dividends, and I've been doing that for years because uh, I don't need it yet. the The thought is, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, I could have you know, thousands of dollars of dividends that literally will pay like car insurance, yeah. cell phone, so I, everything. So I you think know? you're better off if that's the case to pump in your VU for 30 years and then sell it all and then chuck yeah. it into um, SCHD. Yeah, so I have more income. That's, yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking. Yep. It's pretty good. That might be the advice. It might that's be not the best that's uh that's a that's that's a, that's not financial advice that's a that's a perspective it's perspective yes <laughs> this is a personal perspective from now i i think if, if you answer, had the situation tony was in, <laughs> that's what you would do yeah yeah no and that's smart i that is smart i just like the idea of having i, know, I hate to right. say i hate to say diversification because it's so you know it's so cliche but well, it's not that it's just that you're completely diversified in already and it's just I know, I know, but it's kind of playing out this year where it's like who's getting hammered and, and these two ETF funds are literally keeping my portfolios stable yeah. and paying me, you know, it's like, yeah. You know what I love uh, about the fact you own VU is that you own Baba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Is Baba in VU? Yeah. Is it? Are you yeah. sure? Fuck yeah. Man, it's a $200 billion company on the exchange. I'll be yeah, but I thought it was I thought it was only American companies. Is it? I don't think so. I think it's the biggest in the US stock market. I, could Hold be wrong. Uh, I think Vanguard Prime in... Cap Fund, Dodge and Co International Fund, Crane Share Trust ETF, and T Rowe Price Science and Technology and T Rowe no. Price Blue Chip. Baba's not in VU. Baba's not in VU. Yeah. Let me double check that. Because Baba's not an American company. VU is only the S the S and P is only the top five hundred American companies. 
I thought it was a cop on the exchange because it, it mimics the uh, S&P 500. I thought it was the top 500, largest, the top, the largest 500 American. Let's check. Let's just check. I could, BBY. yeah. BBY, Vax, VAC, oh, BKR, BBRK. I can't see I think it. Baba might be in VTI. Uh, Maybe. I don't it's think not so. in there. It's not, it's not in there. I can't see it's it. It's not in Vu. It's not in Vu. Because it's not an American-based company. Vu is only an American-based company. That means it's not really a reflection of the index. Well, the S&P 500 is the 500 largest American companies. Yeah, but the S&P 500 index is... Uh... It's the largest it, 500 yeah, American companies. Why? What, but isn't it on the exchange? Isn't it listed? Uh, it's listed? on the well. It's it's it draws from all of the American exchanges, but it only adds American-based companies. So it's a bit of a skewed index. It's not really the top five hundred companies on in the stock market in in the on the NYSE. It's actually the it's top the top five hundred in the United States. It's the top five hundred publicly listed companies in that are. Not listed on the United States Stock Exchange, but actually American, right? Based in the United States. Based in yeah. the United States. So headquartered in the United the States. The headquarters is in the United States. Even okay. though these companies do business all around the world, yeah. um, it they have to be in the US to be on the to be in the S P five hundred. I see. I could yeah. I gotta double check so, I gotta double check that. But I no, no, you're probably right. So cause because I don't think there's well, I'd like I would be interested to see if there's any non China non-us companies in the s p 500 you know what i mean like uh and that makes sense i think because if you look at the big banks like hsbc oh no hsbc's in there but it's a it's a chinese uh it's a hong kong company barclays but you know there's big european companies i wonder if there's any of them if there's not makes sense there you go you don't yeah, know I'm disappointed. yeah yeah it's the 500 largest companies that are us based uh they have to have their headquarters there there you go. But the crazy thing is 30% of the revenue, 30% of the companies in the S&P 500, like the total revenue, it's international. Yeah. So 70% of the revenue is US, 30% international. So you still have, you still have a lot of international money coming into the S&P, even though yeah. they're US. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to finish with this because I've got a jet. I'm going to get my passport. Uh, By the way, you yeah, might be Bob, thinking BT, maybe Baba's in BTI. It might could be because tech, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Someone at the bottom, I just want to, this is a really important comment to make. Someone says, Tesla looks juicy to me. I think, uh, I think there has to be in this group, if we're going to teach in on anything. I think that if something happens like a route or a stock falls drastically like Netflix or Tesla, you know, whatever, it doesn't really matter what it is. What you've got to ask yourself is, is what is the current intrinsic value of the future cash flows that this business can create and how long can it create them before someone competes them away? And is it predictable? Because if it's not, it's just not a safe place to put your money. So I think unless you know how to value a stock based on future cash flows or growth stocks and there's a formula for that and you really thoroughly look into it and you've read the annual report, and you've read into the company of EVs and the competitors and Mercedes-Benz and Porsche, <clears> and you, <throat> unless you understand the competitive landscape and you've done the numbers and you understand the company and the valuation, you really have no business buying it. It's just, you, you're just throwing darts at a dartboard. And that's why people in the group are freaking out when the stock market collapses because they don't even know what they've bought. And if I didn't know what I bought and I started dropping, I'd shit my pants too. I'd be like, holy shit, I'm going to lose. You just don't know. But if you understand the fundamentals, when the stock falls, you can either confidently buy it or reluctantly sell it, but make decisions based on your fundamentals. And if you can't do that, if you don't know how to read a, a, a cash flow statement, income statement, or a balance sheet, and look at a competitive environment and think and spend hours and hours and hours of your time, you have no business buying individual companies. That's the reality. And if you are and you're winning, you're doing it from luck. If you're doing it from gut, it's luck. And one day your luck is going to catch up. It's going to run out and you're going to get completely decimated. Um, so I would say 
the biggest lesson is if Tony, who you know, has been he understands economics and stocks and that if he's going, you know what, I've resided to Vu, and me on the other side going, fuck, I think I should have, and blah blah blah. And me actually doing it. Yeah, and Bill just the smartest (laughs) doing it. Yeah, I'm the smart one here. I'm the smart one for once. Yes. Yeah, and I think as long as you understand that, doesn't mean you have to do it, but as long as you understand it, then I think we've done our job because these comments like it looks juicy, based on what? Where's the analysis? I'd love to see someone do a proper analysis and paragraph in the group or a Facebook Live saying, these are the reasons why. And after my... 57 hours of or 157 hours of research this is what i feel if you can do that then you can say it looks juicy based on these reasons right but if you can't and you just fallen no <coughs> idea, speculation stick with boot yeah i would say uh speculation era is over due to quantitative destruction uh or <laughs> tightening as people will call it uh as we saw all the speculative stocks just completely falling off the one thing i'll say about tesla is I significantly doubted and talked so much shit about Tesla. And I, I looked at their balance sheet. I looked at the earning reports. I looked at the financial statement. I, I have to say, like, last year, I totally was, like, very down on Tesla. And since that time, they've literally beat earnings every single quarter. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're selling more and more cars. But the rise the rise in the stock, Tony, is not based on fundamentals. It's no, no, based- it's still overvalued. It's still overvalued based on like, if you're looking at like price to book, PE ratios, whatnot. Yeah. I mean, they're still like grossly overvalued, Tony, uh, but it have, just makes no sense that this. You don't have to know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be right in the first five years. You just have to be no, right. No. So yeah. like, for example, when Tesla falls to $160 a share in the next few years, right, if that happens. Oh my falls God. back to the fundamentals, then you'll realize, shit, lucky I followed my analysis because that that's when it makes sense. It doesn't make sense in a flipping two or three year gap up that based on the fad of Elon Musk. Like, anyway, you know what I mean? I'm going to get it. No, no. I've, I've, got right. a, I've got a catchphrase we can use. I know there was a poll. Wait, wait, yeah. Ready? We wanna, I ready? Wanna bring up yes, yeah. You ready to listen to this? If you don't know what to do, just buy Vu. Oh, that's oh. Ooh. Don't know what to do. Just buy Vu. Oh, or is Dang. the juice wow. worth the squeeze? Is the juice worth the squeeze? That's a good no, question. I like. Too. I like if you don't know what to do, just buy Vu. That's a good. Oh. One. God. we gotta get Damn, t-shirts. Be an advertising. Yeah, we that's our t-shirts. t-shirts yeah, it's, I'll make. I'll go ahead and make a T public thing. All right, send um, me a shirt. Both. I'm gonna send you a loaf of bread too. That's all I want to do. Yeah, with. I'm waiting for the loaf of bread and uh, <laughs> that box that all your fans seem to be getting. I know, What's I know, up I know. with this bread? What, what what are we talking about here? What kind of bread is this? Australian bread's the best in the world, and I'm gonna send Phil some, and then maybe I'll send you some, Tony. All right, all right. There yeah. we go. All right. All right. So, when in doubt, buy Vu. Yeah, That's when you don't know what to do, just buy Vu. Ah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Right. I'll see you, man, later. Good to see you guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, man. Take care, buddy. Uh, bye, bye. That's great. I love that. Oh wait. Yeah, it looks like. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, Mark, you you lost lost the time. It's not going. Is the juice worth the squeeze? No, we're going. When you don't know what to do, buy. I like food. is the juice worth the squeeze too. Maybe we can open the show with one and then close the show with the other. I think we should close with uh, when you don't know what to do by <laughs> Vu. And uh, open with, uh, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say to close out the show is to touch on Tesla. Um, they are, their earnings are increasing. The revenue is increasing. They are selling more cars. Uh, two things, though, is one, they're still overvalued. Their stock price is still overvalued based on their intrinsic value of the company. And two... The stock is heavily dependent on Elon Musk. I, it really is. If he leaves the company or he sells his shares or he goes on to other endeavors, it seems like he's pretty distracted nowadays with other things. Um, maybe uh, when he gets out of Tesla, you're going to see huge drops in the stock price. 
This is what I think will happen since he's now like he's got SpaceX. So he was like, only had two companies really he was dealing with, you know, SpaceX and Tesla. Then he got the boring company and he's like, OK, that's boring. I don't want to play with that anymore. I'll talk about it every once in a while. He's got Starlink and Starlink's pretty much taking care of itself. It's not necessary for him to be there because it's not that showy. Because Tesla and SpaceX are showy. They're showy businesses. Now that he has Twitter, Twitter's going to demand more of his time than the other two because the other two are self-running pretty much without his presence. So you're probably going to see and hear less of him, but he's going to be on Twitter, which will allow him to pump up the stock of both SpaceX and and uh, Tesla. I think the other thing that's important is I think Elon Musk doesn't give a shit about no. the stock price. Now that um, he wants to change the world, like he wants to... He wants to win. He wants to do things. He wants to build companies. He wants to take companies from the ground and build them into something. And I think he gets joy out of that. I don't think he really cares too much about the stock price. The stock price is just a byproduct of success. I think it's like once it hits a certain level of success, he's like, okay, I'm done. I, I'm bored. I want to go on play with something else. Like SpaceX, it's like he's like, okay, SpaceX is pretty much doing what I needed to do. Tesla is doing what it needs to do. I want to take uh, – I want to take uh, Twitter to the next level, which where I think it can be like in the, you know, in the metaverse or wherever he wants to take it. Cause he's like, he's, he's bored taking now. Twitter private because he doesn't, he, he's already said in the past, he wants to take Tesla private. He said that he does, he's not even, he's thinking about, he was thinking about transitioning out of Tesla, but he can't do it because he says they need him. He said, he doesn't even really want to be, I, I feel like he doesn't even want to be in Tesla anymore. No, um, it's, it achieved what it needs to. And he's like, okay, here's the 10 year plan. Just follow this fucking plan and you're good to go. He overachieved more than he ever yeah. could have envisioned. He really did. Like it's incredible what he did. Um, so yeah, it's, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I would never put, I would never put a large chunk of money into Tesla. I really wouldn't. Uh, it's, it's in VU. If you own VU, if you own QQQ, you have it already. And guess what? If Tesla does eventually drop to a hundred dollars a share, like Lloyd said, they'll just remove it from Vu, and it won't. It, whatever. I'll have a bad quarter. They'll re, they'll remove it, and then we're back on. You know, we're back going up in the staircase. And this is a great analogy I heard uh, a couple months ago: is the stock market is like a staircase going up because it's real slow, takes some time, and then on the way down, it's like an elevator. It, it just it comes down fast, it comes down rapidly and in a blink of an eye, but on the way up to build those, to build that 10%, it could take a whole year and to lose 10%, it could take a day. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta always have that in the back of your mind when you're investing in a company. If you buy anything and it drops 10% in a day, what are you gonna do? That's a question I always ask myself now. Anything I buy, if it drops in a 10%, 20% in a day, am I going to be able to sleep at night? And that's how I go into buying anything now. All of my investments, I always think of the worst case scenario. If VU falls 20% tomorrow, I'm going to buy more. I'm going to buy more. I might put five, $10,000 into it rather than freak out. Um, just like today, I bought more today. In fact, I was, I was happy it dropped today. Um, so that's how, you, that's how, if you go into investing with that mindset, a lot of people in the group, you see it, Phil, a lot of people in the group are very nervous. Um, they're down, some people are down 60%. Their portfolios are down 60%. Like that's insane to me. I, I, I just can't fathom being down that much. Like, especially when the market's only down 10, 13%, you know, the main index, if you're down 60%, like whatever you bought is probably a very poor investment uh, you, to be down. No good company falls that much. No really good company falls 60% in, in a couple months like that. So something to consider. It's very, it, I mean, it could happen, but it's very rare. It's very rare for that to happen. So, all right, Tony, we're coming to the end of the show. Let them know where they can find you and uh, how they can support you. Yeah, the Stock Bros Podcast. You can support me by leaving a review on Apple or Spotify. That's You've been getting so some new reviews, by the way. Uh, I, I have you on Chartable, so I get all the updates because I want to stay in touch. And you've gotten some new reviews, and I want to thank those fans for doing that. 
Yes, thank you so much. I, the reviews are so helpful. I think I have like, I don't know, almost 40 now. So thank you mm -hmm. so much. Um, and I just put out a bunch of new episodes and I'll put the new ones in the podcast or in our, um, in our chat. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. In it's the fine. chat. It's late. Yeah. You're, you have, that's why late. you're here. That's why you're the guy to put us back on track. So I'm the mogul. I mean, I stick <laughs> with the podcast. I know everything. And plus you're drinking that beer. So it, it, it's fuzzling with your beer brain. Yeah. I've had a couple. I've had a couple. I'm going to shout I'm out still getting Lloyd. over the cold. So getting over the cold, you're finally allowed to drink again. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to shout out Lloyd's podcast. It's money grows yeah. on trees. The number one uh, finance podcast for Australians and worldwide. You definitely want to listen to it because it will teach you how to become financially free um, through different tips and that. And he has uh, weekly episodes as well. Check out his website, lloydjross.com and you can uh, check out his book there as well i am of course phil better the podcast mogul i am the host the moderator of this amazing show you can check out my shows over at investinyourselfpod.com where you can see three of my amazing shows one of them which is an award-winning podcast i want to thank you all for listening to stock dirty to me and remember when you don't know what to do just buy, just buy voo. Voo.